Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hey, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm happy to bring you today Carrie Bach, who's a licensed professional counselor out of Tennessee. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Now, Carrie runs um, a podcast called Hope for Anxiety and OCD and also has some other resources that she's going to tell us about in a little bit. But first of all, I just want to get to know you for the listeners a little bit. And can you tell us a little bit about why you're interested in anxiety and OCD in the first place? Sure. Um, I think so many women in my family have anxiety and it, it wasn't necessarily talked about. It was just kind of like the water we swim in mm -hmm. uh, growing up. And I think for myself, I, I had a very anxious mother. And of course, some of that bled over into me in learning to be afraid of things. And, and I'll just give you a, a random example. Um, I wanted to go to skating parties after school and they would bus you from the school to the local skating rink. You know, you'd roller skate for a little bit and then your parents would come pick you up. Well, my mom would never let me go to those because she broke her wrist roller skating when uh -huh. she was younger twice. Mm -hmm. And I have never broken anything roller skating, love <laughs> roller skating, but it was like, no, you can't go because I'm so afraid, you know, something's yeah. going to happen to you. And, and she uh, was the queen of, of the worst case scenario, those yeah. types of things. So I had to learn how to be uh, differently in the world. And even though my mother loved, you know, loved the Lord, she, she passed away last year, but mm -hmm. she loved the Lord very greatly and had an incredible faith. Um, anxiety was definitely something that she struggled with through the course of her lifetime. And so I think that that's that's part of my interest is because I know what it feels like. I had a lot of social anxiety growing up, mm -hmm. uh, was very shy kid, didn't really know how to communicate um, with peers or even in social settings. When I was a young adult, I wasn't quite sure how to make small talk. I was such a introvert, deep thinker that social interactions were somewhat challenging for me at various periods. I was bullied in school, all kinds of, of experiences that I've experienced in life. And then um, when I got into private practice in counseling, while well, I was working with children and families mm -hmm. and people who had experienced a lot of trauma. And so my, my background really is as a trauma therapist, that's kind of my main like kind of lens that I work through and I do a lot of EMDR therapy, things mm -hmm. that are um, somatic based, uh, looking at, you know, kind of how things are feeling in your body. And these were great tools that I found for anxiety. And I, I think at some level, if you're a therapist, it's almost like you attract younger versions of yourself. Yeah. I don't know if you have that experience <laughs> or not. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah, like I've, I've totally been where some of these clients have been, not obviously not in every situation, yeah. but there's a lot of things that my clients have experienced that I've experienced in the past. And then as I, worked with more and more people with anxiety, 
I started to see some people that would have OCD traits when their anxiety would get really high. And that got me interested in OCD and how can we apply some of these things that I'm already doing for anxiety to OCD? How can I kind of help people get to what the core fear is or what's getting in the way of them being able to get what they want in life and and tracking that a little bit different way. So that's kind of got my interest in OCD. Um, and then really just trying to find resources of what's actually out there for people who are talking. A lot of people are talking about anxiety, right? But right. It, especially in in a Christian context, you know, you'll hear people say, you know, um, you know, bring everything to God in prayer, you know, mm-hmm. instead of worry, you know, we've got to pray, we've got to release control, all, all good things. But th- I think some of that stuff wasn't necessarily helpful for my clients with like clinical anxiety right. levels. They're like, okay, but I'm having a panic attack, you know, like, yeah, what, what exactly. do I do about that piece? And, and then of course, there's very limited information in terms of the mixture between Christianity and OCD, or if people are talking about those things, they're talking very specifically about like a specific form of OCD that has to do with um, obsessions about God, which we call scrupulosity. So um, I wanted to, it's kind of been a passion of mine to say, okay, how can we create some resources for people in the church who are struggling, who are having a really hard time, they love the Lord, but they are like, I can't seem to get out of this anxiety and OCD by just praying, mm-hmm. by reading my Bible. Um, how, how do I do this? How do I navigate this? Mm-hmm. So on, on the Soul Grit podcast, we've talked a little bit about what is the difference between just like commonplace daily kind of anxiety and then what's clinical anxiety. Um, so I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. Where, how do you know when it's clinical? But then also, can you give us the difference between when is it anxiety and when does it get into this category of OCD? Right. So anxiety, um, when I think about clinical anxiety, I'm always looking at a person's functioning level. So is this getting in the way of them being able to function at home, uh, school, work, marriage and family relationships and oftentimes it's our relationships really that send us to therapy probably the most because mm-hmm. we're having some type of conflict or this is getting in the way of being able to date being able to get along with our boss um, those yeah. types of things being able to complete schoolwork so that's really what i look at is in terms of the threshold of clinical anxiety and a person that's anxious i would say more of the time than not, you know, they're anxious more days out of the week than they aren't. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be more of a clinical presentation of anxiety, but we do all have a fight, flight, or freeze response. We all do have elevated heart rate at different points Mm -hmm. or um, may feel that physical tension in our body. Um, But people who are struggling with a clinical level of anxiety feel that a lot greater. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned that you use a lot of somatic uh, techniques, so you're getting into your body. So I'd imagine what you one of the distinctions that we have between just like common everyday worries and then the clinical anxiety is this this presentation in your body. So what what do you see with some of your clients when the anxiety has gotten to that level? Yeah, so they may have a trouble, difficulty breathing. Uh, they'll notice like uh, sweating, rapid heartbeat, 
tension. A lot of people carry tension in various parts of their body. It could be, you know, your shoulders, neck. Some people carry tension in their stomach. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people with chronic anxiety have stomach conditions like um, IBS, or they'll just say, you know, my stomach tends to hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a, a warning sign. A lot of times we are not as in tune with our bodies to even notice the stress that they're carrying on a day-to-day basis. So allowing, um, using mindfulness, which I use with a lot of my clients, like allows us to kind of really tune into what's, you know, going on in the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then d- describe to us what's the difference when, like, how do you know it's OCD? And I want you to be specific about this because I think in our culture uh, or in like pop culture references to OCD, we have like lock checking and like wanting things to be straight and having to wash your hands a lot. But the the realm of OCD is much bigger than that. So can you give us an idea of how do you know it's OCD versus something else? Yeah, so OCD is classified by having obsessions and compulsions. And so we'll talk about each of those obsessions. You can have obsessions about a lot of different things. What people most often see on TV is cleanliness, you know, oh, okay. Or they'll say, oh, the person with OCD is the one that has their closet fully color coordinated Mm -hmm. and organized, and they're upset if something's out of place. But people have obsessions about harming themselves or harming other people. They may have sexual obsessions about, you know, am I homosexual or am I going to accidentally sexually abuse a child? You know, what if I touch this kid the wrong way and I somehow perpetrate them. So some of these things can be pretty um, violent or horrific. The things that that enter a person's mind who's struggling with OCD, they can have obsessions about their relationships. Um, Am I in the relationship with the right person? You know, what if I, you know, miss out and this isn't the person God wants me to be with and I marry the wrong person that they can be obsessed about. Did I offend somebody? Did I say the wrong thing? You can have um, obsessions. There's a form of OCD called just so, which is more about doing things in a particular way or particular order. That might be a little bit more on the, um, the compulsion side. But as you can see, there's a lot of different things that people can get stuck on. So when I think of OCD thoughts versus anxiety thoughts, anxiety thoughts, a lot of times you can challenge or you can work your way out of somehow. They, they may be repetitive, but they're not repetitive in the same way that an OCD thought is. And these are intrusive thoughts. They're not thoughts that people want to have or want to ruminate on. And so that gets confusing because it's like, well, I don't want to think about, you know, grabbing a knife and, and stabbing someone, but that thought just entered my mind. Like, what if I what if I grab this knife and I accidentally hurt someone in my family? That's very terrifying for them to have that thought because they think, well, does that mean I'm a bad person or does that mean that I'm going to do that? So we have to kind of work with them on, there's a difference between a thought intruding in your mind and it actually being something that you want to do. There's a difference between that and like a desire that's in our, in our mind and our heart. And that really having that diagnosis and knowing that that's what you're struggling with can actually be very relieving and helpful for people. And then kind of part two with the, you know, compulsions is that 
there are a variety of compulsions people can have that we see that are external, right? Like you talked about the checking the locks or making sure that the curling iron's turned off so I don't burn the house down or, you know, unplugging things around the house, um, coming back and just checking, did I really close that door, those types of things. And we all have some of this every once in a while, but when you're talking about OCD, you're talking about, I can't leave my house for 30 minutes because I have to do all these things, you know? So that's that's a difference. My husband and I were actually just talking about this. Like, do you ever lie in bed at night and go, Did I, is the front door locked, you know? Like you're just, you're getting ready to go to sleep. So that that's a normal thought that may enter your mind. And the difference is when someone has OCD, it's like, they get stuck on thoughts that are really bizarre. Whereas if somebody doesn't have OCD, they're like, oh, that was a really weird thought. And then they move on, you know, because a lot of people have thoughts about a variety of, of different things that we might find surprising. But sorry, back to compulsions. Compulsions can also be internal as well. So they could be repetitive prayers that a person prays over and over. Like, you know, they could repeatedly be saying like, I'm sorry, God, like if they have one of these obsessions or a thought that they consider bad or negative, they may have a repetitive prayer. They may have certain things that they say in their head, certain um, calculations that they might do. So there's different kinds of compulsions and that makes them kind of sneaky. Probably one of the more common ones is actually reassurance seeking. Mm -hmm. So asking someone like, you know, hey, is our relationship okay? Or am I okay? Or am I, do you think I'm going to die from cancer? Like people can get really stuck on, you know, somatic obsessions, like, uh, there's, there's this bump on my leg. And now I'm Googling, you know, bumps on your left leg and, and what that means and what that could mean, which is, is very scary. That's, um, another compulsion that we see a lot of times is nowadays is obsessive Googling. You yeah. know, people are on Google or YouTube for hours and hours researching a variety of different things. Um, even, like things about faith, which we might think, oh, wow, that person's really studious, but it may be that they're so distressed inside mm -hmm. that they're watching all these videos to try to assure themselves that they really are saved. Like, am I really saved? Am I really going to heaven? Does God, you know, really care about me? Is Christianity real? And they're looking at all of these apologetics videos to try to reassure themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can be very disabling at that point, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So with the name of your brand, Hope for Anxiety and OCD, like how do you bring hope to Christians that are suffering this way? Yeah. And, and I think just really educating people that it is suffering. Um, I like to say, you know, OCD is not sin, it's suffering because too many times we've looked at someone in the church who's been struggling with anxiety or other mental health issues and we've looked at it like it's a spiritual deficit okay well there must be something wrong with you spiritually because you're struggling with these issues mm -hmm. and we would never place that upon someone you know who is struggling as a type 1 diabetic or right. someone who has had cancer you know we wouldn't say oh well you know you might you must not have enough faith or something like that we wouldn't want to do that but unfortunately you know the church has gotten some things confused or not always known how to minister to people with these conditions so the bringing the hope piece in is so important i also talk about a variety of different therapies on my podcast too that may be able to help people because i think 
people view therapy as all the same and it's so mm -hmm. different. There are so many different theories or ways of practicing. And so I'm like, Hey, if one doesn't work for you, find someone who's trained in something different and go that route and, and see what's out there that can help you or that you can research and find like, Oh, this sounds like something that I would be really aligned with or that would work well for me mm -hmm. so that people don't give up. I don't want people to to give up and to know that even if you know you may struggle with this ocd like a thorn in the flesh for a long time you know like paul did it may not be something that god heals you from we always strive towards complete healing but if that's not a place that you can get to know that god's grace is sufficient enough for you and he's going to be right there with you through that through that struggle and ultimately i just want people to know that god loves them you know and if god loves us and we have a true full depth of that understanding it helps us understand our suffering so much because we realize okay god is going to use this in my life for good he's going to develop perseverance character hope through this suffering and that helps me get through the next moment and the next day and the next hour that I'm dealing with it. Yeah. Great. If you've listened to the Soul Rip podcast for even one episode, you know my guests and I believe that when we integrate the power of God with the wisdom of modern psychology, we get supercharged healing, change, and growth in counseling. As a Christian therapist, however, I realize that there are many practitioners out there who are personally Christians but don't know how to integrate their faith into their counseling practices. That's why I created the e-course, Faith Integration for Therapists. In this premium five-module course, therapists who love Jesus will learn everything from understanding their calling to marketing their practices to Christians to adapting evidence-based interventions to honor our faith. You can learn more about the online course at www.soulgritresources.com slash courses and send an email to info at soulgritresources.com to receive a discount code. So if listeners are suspecting that they might be dealing with something like this, like, well, maybe it's not just run-the-mill anxiety. Maybe it is something because I just ha keep having this thought that keeps coming back or I just... I noticed myself getting stuck in this pattern. Um, you mentioned that you have several episodes that are going to uh, address different ways of dealing with this, right? What, what else can they find? Yeah, so if they go to Hope for Anxiety and OCD.com, we have two specific resources, one for anxiety and one for OCD. We have a, a download for people on ways to have a calmer mind and body. And then we have a download on five things every Christian struggling with OCD needs to know. So both of those are on our website. Great. So, uh I always like to end the podcast by asking, what are you doing for soul care? Oh, that's so good. Um, you know, I got involved in a Bible study at my church um, in the fall, and I've really just, it challenged me in a way that I hadn't been challenged in a long time at just of a deeper level of Bible study than I had really done before. And I talked to one of the other ladies in the group and she told me about a specific type of study that she was doing, like the um, keyword ministries, inductive Bible study for anybody mm -hmm. that's looked into those. And 
I thought, well, maybe I'll, and she said, you know, I, I don't do them with the group of people because I can take it a little bit slower and digest mm -hmm. a little bit more that way. So one of the things that I've been doing is uh, on mornings where I drop my daughter off, she goes a few days a week to spend time with her, with her cousin. She's almost a year old. So oh. I drop her off with the babysitter and then I go to Panera and um, sit there with like my little Bible study and my, um, you know, my workbook and my Bible and just really kind of um, it's pretty quiet in there at that time in the morning. And I can just kind of be away from home, be away from work and just rest and like read. And, um, you know, God's really showing me I'm studying the book of Isaiah right now. And God's mm -hmm. just really showing me how how relevant it is to our wor world today that we're living in and how it's just so interesting to see the things that were going on with Jerusalem, how relevant it is to yeah. our own lives and into our own world. So I'm just seeing amazing um, God's plan of redemption that one day, you know, he's going to work it all out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we don't have to know everything. We don't have to know the how, but somehow like God is going to come one day and make it all right. Mm -hmm. And that's just encouraging for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Make all the sad things untrue. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, that's really good to hear. I encourage people who are listening, if you haven't been a part of a Bible study like that, where they where you actually get challenged and you have homework and you're digging in, that this might be your cue to seek that out in your community. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm always encouraging listeners to just take care of themselves on these these five levels of, you know, move your body, eat good food and drink water get the sleep that you need, have social support around you and really find ways to connect with God. And I think when you're in a, a setting like that, you get to take care of those last two things of being able to connect with others and connect with God on a new level. And so I'm just gonna always put that out as a reminder for people. And I always ask this question because we think soul care is even more important than self-care. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I thank you for being part of the Soul Grip podcast today. And we're going to have all of Carrie's links ready for you guys in the show notes so that you can follow up. And I really encourage you to download one of those resources that she mentioned, um, what Christians need to know about OCD, as well as the anxiety resource. So thank you, Carrie, and good luck on all the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.